Hello and welcome to Sitcom Geeks. I'm James Carey. And I'm Dave Cohen. And this is episode 186. And you find us uh, in the throes of uh, almost finishing reading the scripts and putting together a shortlist on our um, Hattrick Sitcom Script Challenge. We had 887 uh, scripts sent to us uh, in early January, most of them within about uh, 48 hours of the deadline. And we've been reading uh, all of them. Um, and uh, Hattrick have been reading some as well. And in this episode, we're going to talk about some of the themes that have kept coming up as well. Before we get there, I'm just going to say that if you're interested in what I've been up to in the last 18 months, you can watch my episode of Shakespeare and Hathaway on the iPlayer, uh, which went out on Monday, the 21st of February. And it is called Ooh. Die We Must. And I just watched it and it's quite funny. Uh, it's <laughs> quite it's quite sitcommy, so it won't surprise you that we're kind of playing it for laughs very much in my episode. So, uh, uh, and Joe Joyner and Mark Benton know a thing or two about comedy. So uh, they heavily lean into the comedy and I'm, and it's, it's quite fun, I think. So anyway, that's, uh, what, what's, what's new for you, Dave, outside of reading 887 scripts? Well, um, Dan Swerritt and I have been running our topical uh, course again. We just started and um, we've already had some success uh, with that. So that's been very exciting. And uh, I'm almost finishing the second draft. Well, not almost finishing, but I'm well into the second draft of uh, my second novel. So um, that's all a lot of fun. Uh, one thing that I have been doing, I have been writing sitcoms, actually. And I just want to mention this right at the start to all of you who entered our competition is to thank you all, first of all, for, for, for entering, but also just to appreciate how incredibly hard it is uh, to get it right. And... Um, one of the things that I, ha happened to me in the last couple of weeks, last month or so, is that I have been revisiting a sitcom script that I wrote last year that I was very, very proud of, of the idea, and I loved the idea, and uh, I wrote a script for it. And, you know, it was I think it was quite a good script. And just looking back on it now, with, with uh, um, having had some time away from it, and I just thought... This this is two sitcoms. This isn't this isn't one sitcom idea. It's too confusing. There's too much happening here. And I was I was me, that <laughs> uh, the me that of the last month and a half or so of just reading script after script, saying this isn't quite clear. And this that's funny and that's not bad. And the, and and you know it is really really hard. We understand that. So you know, thank thank yeah. you. And you know. At some point, very soon, we'll be you know you you will be finding out. Well, a, a month or so from now, we'll, the the winner will be announced. So, yeah. um, we we will put you out of your misery uh, fairly yeah. soon. But but just to say, you know, all so many of the scripts that I read had you know lots of really good stuff going on there, and it's just getting it all to fit together is just the really hard thing. I think. Yeah, and I think on top of that, it's there are there are so many things to get right you only want one or two that are wrong to really spoil it and so it feels like you don't really get credit for the stuff that works when when there are two or three things that don't work and it's a bit like i discovered uh when i was looking into bomb disposal when i was doing uh, bluestone 42 that the, the the test to pass uh your bomb disposal test as it were it's actually not that difficult as in, it's not that hard to, to 
to figure out what you have to do. It's just you can't get any of it wrong. Um, so it's so easy to fail an exam that's not actually that hard, uh, if that makes some sort of sense. Um, mm. So uh, so with that in mind, uh, we've got some uh, thoughts on some, one or two themes that Dave particularly has noticed. I've been making lots and lots of notes uh, throughout my um, uh, throughout my reading of, of trends and themes and I don't really ever want to read any more of this or oh, lots of scripts are now doing this or this seems to be a common theme and uh, and I'm turning those into a whole load of blog posts that will be coming out from March onwards hopefully one a week for the rest of the year and also I've got a thing coming out called 14 problems with your sitcom script uh, which in a way is a set of notes uh, that I can give you on your script without even having read it, as it were. These apply to so many scripts that I read, uh, then that will be available uh, fairly soon. But in the meantime, uh, we've got some thoughts on uh, mockumentaries. We're going to talk about <laughs> we're going to talk about the sociopath. We're also going to talk about the language of script writing and how scripts are written. That's one thing I really noticed, um, particularly uh, recently. And the, the concept of being specific. So uh, let's kick off, Dave, with mockumentaries. I've not read loads of mockumentaries. I've read a few. You may have read more than me. I read a lot. Ah. I, I, I did. I, I read loads. And um, I, I it, it, it's, it's a difficult one because uh, at the end of the process of reading them, um, I happened to read in uh, Broadcast Magazine that, um, oh, the BBC, one of the first, John Petrie's first uh, signings for BBC, uh, BBC One, I think, is a, a mockumentary series um, written by uh, um, God, Tom Baston. Um, so, you know, um, no, no. Uh, you know, not not exactly a, a newbie, uh, but and, you know, also very very experienced um, sitcom writer. However, I uh, the number of times what 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 my my problem with the mockumentary style is um, it's the same as everything um, that you read that that's um, a, a new sitcom. It's like yes, we want something familiar, but then we want to see something new added. And my feeling is, if you're doing a mockumentary style, uh, it needs to be that, that there are so many kind of um, sort of yardsticks by which to measure it. So uh, starting with Spinal Tap, which, of course, was the very first mockumentary. That's where the word was invented. And the word rockumentary at the same time. Uh, oh, yeah, sorry. That's my, my mistake. Yes, that was where rockumentary came from. Rockumentary. That, 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 yeah. And then mockumentary came from, from rockumentary. So, you know, that's kind of 40 years ago now that that was. And, and everything that's come since then, uh, the sort of John Morton uh, shows, like People Like Us. Then uh, The Office was the sort of most famous one, really. Here's a little known, little remembered one. But I remember being very funny at the time was Operation Good Guys. Did you ever see that? Yeah, I remember the name. Actually, is that the one Dan Gaster wrote? I don't know. I don't one? think it was primarily him, but it was it was a police spoof um, on BBC Two. Um, yeah, so I seem to remember it being fairly low budget, but it was it was quite funny. Um, I think Georgia wrote for that actually. As okay, well, well yeah, we'll have to yeah, look up, look that yeah. up. But carry on. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, uh, there, there, there's been a lot, but I mean, most recently, um, the ones that have kind of 
uh, redefined it, I suppose, are Parks and Rec in a very kind of, uh, it, it's, it's a very sort of small aspect of Parks and Rec, I would say. It's, you know, kind of Leslie note to the camera at the beginning, and that's more or less it. Similarly with Modern Family, uh, they're, they're very much, uh, it's a very small uh, use of it. And and um, I think most recently as well, what we do in the shadows has 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 kind of done it as well. So it's a mockumentary about va- vampires, mm. um, of which of which probably more later. But uh, they, you kind of need to have something that's going to that's going to be different. And at the moment, as far as I can see, I can't actually think of how to do it to be different. And some of the ones that I read were they were just so like modern family um, mm. or the for me or the office but the, the the point is that it's something that i think you can use in very small doses really but it, it's often an excuse uh for a writer who's starting out to avoid writing characters because you can get you you can hope to get away with uh and the, the number of times that i read the joke and the joke was X looks to camera and raises eyes, and you know that's great if you've got the actors who can do it. But you kind of, you you kind of want to be more. You want you want a little bit more. You, you need a bit more faith in your use of, of jokes, really. I think, and and for me, the mockumentary style generally is uh, is a kind of uh, shortcut for not for not having to think harder about your characters and not having to think harder about your jokes. Does that, does that make sense? It does make total sense. Uh, comedy facts, just to go back. Uh, you're thinking of Feel the Force, uh, written by Georgia Pritchett, which was a police cop um, show. And the one I was thinking of was written by Hugo Blick, uh, who was oh, yeah, yeah. Um, the um, Marion and Jeff Rob Ryden show. Yeah, um, yeah. guy. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what that was. It's created by Ray Burdis, actually, uh, who was in it. I don't know if he uh, wrote it. Anyway, let's not get distracted too much by that. <laughs> but the point I think is that you're making is a good one. I would add to that that, firstly, in some ways, a mockumentary is going to fight what you're doing because the temptation in using a mockumentary is when characters talk directly to camera, you're tempted to get them to say how they feel. And therefore, you're making subtext harder. Um, And I think lots of characters, lots of scripts that I read that do use mockumentary, they're having a character telling it how it is rather than how that character perceives it. And so for the comedy to really happen, you need a gap between the self-perception of the character and what we're seeing. And so I think sometimes that is really lacking uh, on the page. And therefore, the extension of that point really is to say that what is the mockumentary format adding to your show? What, why is it not just, you know, a, a, a documentary uh, set um, on an oil rig? Why, why is it not a sitcom on an oil rig? What are we getting from the mockumentary element of it? Um, Because I think also mockumentaries used to be um, interesting because documentaries were a new thing. So using the documentary style to do comedy felt original. 
Um, and then you had sort of documentaries in the 90s like um, Modern Times and Fly on the Wall, Back to the Floor kind of stuff. And mm. so therefore applying that to comedy felt new. So in a way, the, the one aspect I think, if you had a mockumentary that was basically the new version of whatever The Only Way is Essex is or something, if it was, if there's a new kind of documentary and you apply it to a comedy format, that might work. But I don't know what that is, partly because I don't watch that many sort of mainstream documentaries, I suppose. Uh, so I, I think, it, yeah, that there's no real compelling reason to use it unless you have a particularly fresh angle on what a particular documentary format is going to bring to your comedy idea. I think also, and it's just remind me of an, another thing that, that always uh, struck me reading of mockumentary scripts was um, that you are thinking first about um, the form and um, that the, the, the characters and the stories are coming next. And really, you, you want to know, you really want to know about, we, we, we want to know about characters and we want to know about stories. And I suppose I can see how, how it is that you think about, well, I've got this character who's a pathetic loser, you know, classic, classic sitcom character, that's fine, yeah. Um, but, you know, dreams of what do they want? They want to be a star. Uh, what do they get? Because it's comedy. They're not going to get it. But what's the what's the number one root one way to? Oh, I've got a character who thinks they're great, but they're really crap, and they want to be a star. Okay, mockumentary. This is their moment. Um, and you know, and that sort of was the kind of David Brent uh, mm. model, I think, wasn't it? It's like, hey, I'm just a, a chilled out entertainer. Mm. Um, and of course, you know what we what we see is the exact opposite of the chilled out entertainer. So that's that was that that for me was the problem. Um, it worked f with the office because uh, and partly because he's he was the he wrote himself. Um, and that, that that's another element as, as mm. well. A lot of the best uh, mockumentaries are kind of created by the person who is who is playing them and so you know they know you know that they know their themselves you know the, the spinal tap for instance as well you know here's a i've got a theory now which i'm going to try out um sitcomgeeks at gmail.com for your thoughts on this one as well um sitcoms do have p clear peaks and troughs um Whereas I think the documentary format is rather more leveled out, tonally particularly. Um, it's much more in the middle all the way through. So if you watch a, I watched a show that was basically CSI Birmingham, um, Forensics or something like it was called. And it was all about fairly unpleasant but banal cases in the black country where they pretty much know who did it, but they do need to collect the forensic evidence so they can actually get a prosecution. And it was quite low-key and flat and procedural. And I, and I like that about it because it was showing, do you know what? It's sort of not CSI. It's not Miami Vice, particularly not in Birmingham. Um, and we do need to make sure that we've got enough evidence and phone records and stuff to get a conviction. But there, there is a 
evenness of tone that runs usually for an hour that if you then apply that honestly to a sitcom it's just going to flatten out your sitcom so that you don't get those moments and can you imagine really in a sitcom sorry in a in a mockumentary basil faulty beating his car with a branch you just sort of it, it, it would sort of filter it in a way that would actually make it less uh, real weirdly what do you think a moment uh, well first of all i must uh, mention uh, topically uh, that my, my horror at seeing um the the first uh, episode of the new series of the marvelous mrs Maisel, uh, which is to my mind as 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 great as it was before i know you went off it great no no I, i'm I, i'm back on and I i'm looking forward it. to it yeah but there is a scene very early on uh, of of hitting hitting car with tree that is so totally. Uh, oh wow! I just thought you cannot do this a second time in any comedy show, even if you're Amy Sherman Palladino, who yeah. I stand before. I no don't one, care you know. if you're Robert De Niro; you're not doing yeah. it. Well, yeah. I don't care if you're Amy Sherman Palladino because you are the, my absolute hero. You okay. cannot do that. Yeah. But anyway, not that's cool, by the Amy. Not cool. No. Yeah. I would say that there are that the the, the the other type of documentary the, the the ones that there are that have you know the kind of Channel Four type ones that have come out more in the last sort of few years, uh, like say something like Twenty Four Hours in A and E. Uh, again, I don't watch a huge amount, but they are not just um, the, the the point you make about the flattening out. But some of them are, you know, they have like a self-contained story, and they they try they they try to be like a movie or like a one-hour drama, and so something like Twenty Four Hours in A and E will have moments of high comedy, um, but they're actually mimicking the drama. They'll get to a point three quarters of the way through where it's all terrible, and then they'll have the ending, which can be, you know, a kind of terribly sad ending. Uh, but so it's it's it's. That's also not not like a sitcom. That's a that's yeah. a self-contained story, and you know they they are trying that that's that's what documentary makers do now. They are trying to to pretty much emulate um, that kind of uh, that that sort of narrative, which yeah, you know. Um, so I think that one of the lessons then here is um, maybe the reason that these scripts that are mockumentaries don't feel great is because they're they feel like they're based on uh, shows that were successful 20 years ago that were based on how documentaries used to be in the 90s yeah. um, rather than how documentaries actually are now um, and how new kind of documentaries are now. And so suddenly it's all getting very overladen with format and stuff. It's like if you've got some good characters in a right situation and your show is actually about something then let's just let's just see it hope you're enjoying this conversation we really climbed into mockumentaries didn't we well if there's stuff that you wish we would talk about email us at sitcomgeeks at gmail.com or even better ask us yourself at our next ask us anything episode which happens monthly for our Patreon subscribers. So that's a Zoom-based podcast episode, which is more conversational, and Dave and I will answer any of your questions right there and right then. 
So if that sounds good to you and you want access to our secret Facebook group, plus other bonus podcasts, early access to interviews, we've got one in the tank with Jimmy Mulville, which is absolute dynamite, as well as discounts on various workshops, courses and webinars that we do. Why don't you join us on Patreon? Google Sitcom Geeks Patreon and you'll find all you need. Okay, back to the show. Oh, and you may hear one of Dave's kids practicing the piano in the background in the second half. Sorry about that, but at least they're really good. If we could segue now, quite nicely, um, to talking about the the, uh, next thing, because these things are linked by one person. um, And this is the, uh, the sociopathic character. So there weren't a huge number of these, but they really stood out for me in ways that I was was quite you know I, I I was quite surprised to see characters like this but actually um they felt very much like the characters um the character that Ricky Gervais plays uh, in Afterlife now I've only seen the first series of that so um it may have changed as far as I'm aware it hasn't changed much from that first series um the, 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 for those of you who haven't seen it, the point of this character is he you know, he lost he's he he lost his wife young young youngish you know, whatever their early fifties or whatever they are and life has no meaning for him and and so he spends his whole life basically not giving a toss about anything because what's the point of life apart from his pet his dog which means the whole world to him. And again, as with The Office, Ricky Gervais is quite openly admitting that he's he is kind of playing a version of, of himself. And, you know, there's a lot of love for Ricky Gervais. I know that. And particularly among new writers, um, because I think a lot of people look at Ricky Gervais, a lot of people who haven't done comedy, and he he is like the naughty kid, I think, in class. And... Um, he doesn't play by everybody else's rules, um, and you know he he's very very successful, and he's very very successful. He has made a very big success of a career that actively doesn't play by other people's rules. So you know he just gets on by being rude to people in Hollywood. Um, they seem to like that, and the shows that he makes are not really don't really follow the rules of sitcom or or comedy that much or even drama uh i i think there's not they're not that dramatic really those shows and uh the, most of the comedy or most of the drama is him being completely sociopathic um and so a lot of people think oh well yeah that's that's what you do you break the rules and you know far be it from me to say rules are there for a reason you know i mean i'm i I totally support people who who break rules. I mean, I don't think I don't think Larry David is a great sort of rule follower, but you know, his shows just deliver so many jokes and so much laughter uh, and so many kind of crazy stories that that's that's the kind of Larry David shaped thing that that he comes out with occasionally, but. What I was seeing a few times was just these characters that were just mean and nasty, and there was no reason for it. And I mean, the, whether you like Afterlife or not, it doesn't really matter. But the reason that the Ricky Gervais character is like that is because he has given up on life. 
life has no meaning for him. So even in the breaking of the rules, he has that kind of, he has that reason to be like that. Quite a few things I read, there were just people thinking, oh, it's funny to just make this person horrible and do horrible things and get away with it. And it just... I didn't have as many like that, but the ones I did have, I were like, oh dear, no, thank you. Um, I'm, I'm 10 pages into this and I'm very much done here. And it may be that the writer is thinking, yes, but the whole series is about how they become a different person and how they are redeemed, to which the answer would be, oh, not a sitcom. Uh, so uh, so do bear in mind, so do send your comedy drama uh, with a very long series arc to somebody else um, because it, it isn't a sitcom where they are the same every week. Uh, in a way, that's another reason why uh, Afterlife sort of breaks the rules is because grief clearly is something that goes by with time. And what I really liked about Afterlife, which is why it probably would have been a better movie, is the fact that I'd not really seen much comedy dealing with the honesty of the fact that his his spouse has died and he's devastated I think that's really interesting and I think he does a terrific job of that but the fact is that after three or four years the grief is not the same as it was uh three or four years earlier so anyway I've not gone back to it I did watch the first series my other problem with the show is it's like oh local newspaper Oh, right. Yeah, that doesn't exist. No such thing as that office uh, that you're working in, which is essentially as if there hasn't been this massive conglomeration of local news, which has completely hollowed out everything. So for me, it feels like a bit of an artifice there. So um, and you know, even that made me laugh a few times and, you know, the persona kind of works. But but in a way, I, I hope that, that there is going to be some redemption for him in that as a, as a series, not that I particularly am curious enough to go back and, and find out. But I think it's it's not about likability. We're not trying to see our characters need to be likable, but we have to understand them and root for them in some way. And so if, you're, if your script is saying, yes, but this is all about how they become a different person, the response is, okay, well, you're not writing a sitcom then, you're writing a movie, you're writing a novel. Um, and then the the second thing to say is, uh, that you just need to calibrate them. So if they are like that for a reason, then that's not going to change. We need to know what that reason is so we can see that their sociopathy isn't technically that, but is at least um, excusable or understandable because of this massive problem that they have, that they're hiding something which is making them act out in this way. So please tell me within the idea of the first five pages why they're just being awful to everyone. Um, and that might give me some sympathy with them, even if I'm not liking them. Um, so we need to be rooting for them in some way, um, even if we don't like them. Um, so I think that, so, you know, Victor Meldrew is obviously famous grumpy uh, person, but he reacts poorly to being uh, seen through because of his age he, he or being taken for granted. He he won't stand for stuff. He's actually quite a peaceful person uh, when an episode starts. He's just sort of bimbling about doing his business. But then if you poke the bear, the bear will have you. Um, although it always backfires on him. He's always ultimately, you know, the universe turns Victor Meldrew's anger on him, even though his anger is often justified. Yeah. Um, so he's kind of a tragic figure in that sense, but he's not a sociopath. 
Yeah, I remember years later seeing the first episode of uh, One Foot in the Grave, which I'd never seen, and in it, his day one of retirement. Sorry, that 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 that's that's how it was. But um, he goes back to the office for some reason to collect his things, and he sees that he has been he has been replaced by a machine, <laughs> literally. I mean, like it's a like really a black basic box machine. or something, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> and that and and in a sense, that's sort of like wow that. That's such a strong mm. uh, uh, reason for him to be like he is. You know, you 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 spent your you've given your whole life to this place, and you go back, and they haven't put a person there. They just plonked a machine in there. It's just like it's like the last forty years didn't happen. You mm. know, for the people who were there now. Oh, oh yeah, there's that machine where that there was a bloke there. Well, wasn't there for a while. Oh yeah, that grumpy bloke yeah yeah <laughs> so so yeah having a reason as i say you know he, his character tony in in uh, afterlife ricky Gervais, is you know like, like you say he is devastated mm. um we understand that um yeah there were i'd say there weren't that many of them but i just wanted to pick that out because i did think you know you do have to we we have talked many times about how annoying it is when someone says, "Can you make your character more likable?" And you know, we 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 emphasise that is not what this is about. It is about understanding why they are like what they are. The other thing is that um, a sociopath, as as technically understood, I guess, um, behaves in a certain way, and therefore behaves in a certain way, ir- irrespective of how other people perceive them. They don't. They don't care what other people think. For I don't know. For some psychological reason, I don't really fully understand it. But so they're not really making a choice. They're just like that, and they're like that in all situations. And again, there's no gap between who they are and how they see themselves. Or and that if and if they're not making choices, then they're not morally responsible. Then they don't have agency. So if they end up on their faces and they realise they deserve it, then that's satisfying. If if they get pushed around and they explode and then their anger makes it even worse for them and worse for them, their rage is just going to get greater and greater and greater and it's not going to go anywhere. Your, your, your sitcom is, I'm afraid, a 25-minute morality tale and if you've got somebody who is essentially amoral, which is what sociopaths are, um, then it's not a terribly satisfying watch, I think. So uh, your sociopath isn't making choices. They're just doing what they think is right and stuff what everybody else thinks. And they'll just bludgeon their way through until we're done, until the, till the clock's run down and we've had our 28 pages and that's it. And that's, um, that's not really it. Yeah, and just while you were saying that, it made me think of uh, a, 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 a thought that a sociopath is self-aware and you know your best comedy characters the number one thing that they have is a complete lack of self-awareness mm. so you know yeah. sociopath knows they're horrible and they act horrible and yeah. they you know if it gets consequences well that's because that's that's what i'm like you know take take me or leave me yeah. so yeah we need your characters to to have no self-awareness yeah yeah um yeah, or a heart or something. There's there's just stuff missing in a sociopath in a comedy context, which is making it extremely hard work. Um, finally, 
No, second, finally, uh, the language of script writing. And this is something that I really noticed um, that Dave's noticed too. I did notice a number of, especially first pages, where the action lines felt quite novel-like. And in a way, you want action lines to be more than just simply functional exposition. But they don't need to be much more than that. And we certainly don't need the first page of a novel, essentially, as setting up the show in some way. And so I I kind of had a bit of a um, frustrating read a few times um, uh, looking at those first few pages and just thinking, huh, I wonder why they've decided to start it this way. Because I want to get to the characters and I, I want to hear them. I want to I want to get to them reacting to other characters and making choices. And at the moment, this action line is putting the, the writer at the front of this script in a way that I think the writer needs to make themselves pretty invisible. Um, and I know we try to do that by getting your names off the front so that we could read it blind. But obviously, don't worry, your names have been logged and that's all fine. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I felt that there was a little bit of frustrated novelist going on in quite a few scripts that I was reading. And I thought, oh, I bet you'd write quite a good novel uh, and, and good luck with that. Um, and probably no, more novels get published every year um, than sitcoms get made. So your odds are probably slightly better, although not not by that much, maybe. Uh, but Dave, Dave could tell you about novelists. Um, but did you agree with that observation? Were you feeling that, Dave? that that's that's exactly it i mean some of them were were kind of i could tell this person had written this as a novel and thought i'm going to try and turn this into a script and so you know it it was the narrator was uh you know kind of like a page of dialogue um that monologue would have read like a pe- monologue yeah, yeah sorry exactly um but it wasn't that that so that wasn't that 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 was really obvious but there was the cases where it's like, and he uh, he's going, he walks to the bathroom. <laughs> of course, of course he does. It's just, you know, yeah. it, it's it's the one place he's not supposed to go. And it's, A, it's classic telling and not showing, as we always say. But B, it is, um, it is not the function of a script. And if what, what you need to do, and this is a very, very useful exercise, um, which is, and it's very easy to do, is to go to, um, the BBC Writers Room page where they have scripts. Look up the scripts. I think they've got Bluestone 4.2 there, among other things. But find out something that's on iPlayer that is on uh, that has a script. And it's a very simple thing to do on your screen. Very easy. You just put half the screen of the iPlayer and half the screen of the script and watch the first 10 minutes of a show and read the first 10 pages and you will see that what the script does the, the, the script is it's sort of it's 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 a manual it isn't a script for something that you'll buy in a bookshop i mean unless it's a massively successful show and you buy the complete scripts of seinfeld or whatever you know you are not reading this script to be uh you're reading it to laugh at the jokes hopefully but you know, the, 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 it's a manual. It's a manual for the a director. It's a manual for the costume designers. It's a manual for the casting directors. So you, it's a really the basic, really basic stuff you want to know. So you know, uh, the character brackets forty something, full of himself, uh, 
smart, uh, smartly dressed, or you know, be specific, bow, bow tie and whatever. That's that's information for casting. It's information for the producer and director, um, for the character, and it's a, it's a direction for costume. And that's kind of as much as you need. Um, anything more than that, you're adding stuff that you don't need to do because they'll 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 do that for you. The actors will will bring that hopefully to the show with the understanding of how your script works. So it's it's a it's a manual really more than a a, a kind of a, a thing. Yeah, um, and it's not just yeah. that. It's um because the reader. The first person reading this, obviously, is someone like me or, or Dave or a producer, development producer. We will fill in the blanks that we need to fill in. Um, so you don't need to spell out absolutely everything. And, you know, we don't really need all the texture and colour um, of uh, the colour of the tablecloth, unless it's very significant and it is exactly the colour of blood. Um, or it is a, um, you know, but we don't need the complete layout of the kitchen table and, and what that means existentially, um, you know, we, we sitting sitting at the kitchen table is fine. Um, if we need orange juice on there, that's fine. Mention the orange juice. But even then, if you haven't, he says, oh, he reaches the orange juice. Well, it's a kitchen table. Of course, there was orange juice there. We didn't we didn't need to know that earlier. Um, so uh, he reaches for um, the metal, uh, the metal knight's helmet. Oh, OK. You probably should have mentioned that at the beginning of the scene. That's a weird thing to suddenly introduce. Um, so I think it's just a question of trusting your characters and your story and the action and what we're seeing and what we're hearing rather than trying to kind of, uh, whisper behind the scenes about what's really going on because the viewer doesn't get that we you know, there isn't a DVD commentary with your, with your sitcom. So you have to have confidence in the, in what's on the page. Um, so uh, I, I really would just bear that in mind when you're writing a script to to make it look more professional. You have to have confidence in in the characters and the dialogue, and the action lines, and all this other stuff. You you really don't really need, you know the occasional light touch or moment or in brackets comment of well of course he does. What once they once you've earned the right to do that, but doing a lot of that on page one, two, and three is like oh okay I think this person wants to write a novel. And I and I and I'm not going to read that much further. Um, I think yeah. it's also I think it is an experience thing. It is something you know the temptation to to make the reader laugh beyond outside of the the what, what's already there is a kind of hey look I can write you know there, there is that um, but it's just seeing you know we we as James says we you know we we look at we've looked at hundreds and thousands of scripts that's what we do and we 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 as you say we fill in the blanks but um you know and, and actually one, one thing there i mentioned is it's sort of a it's sort of a manual for the director and the producer and the costumes people whatever it's it's not a manual for the cameraman uh, is another thing to mention because you know there were there, I still get a lot of uh, panning panning acrosses and uh, you know we see this and, and, and there are shots of this and, yeah so like oh we're just looking at legs walking down a corridor and you just think what why are you doing this this is not I know whose legs they are and this is you know this isn't this isn't making it funnier 
um, this is demonstrating that you don't either don't trust a director to direct this properly or you just wish you were a cinematographer. And that's completely fine. Go to film school and become a cinematographer. But don't don't put that into your sitcom script because it's just going to get in the way. Yeah. If you're like a huge star like James Corden and you get to choose what you do next and, you know, you get to choose your co-star, uh, Nut Bainton, and it's going to be, oh, it's going to be everything. It's like, I'm going, I'm, it's everything I wanted to be. It's a sitcom, it's a thriller, it's a this. And, you know, you watch the opening two minutes of The Wrong Man's. You know, you are watching the opening of a movie. You know, you don't see any characters, well, Matt Bain's walking on the road on his own, that's all. And there's a car coming, you know, it's a massive open space, beautiful, classic panoramic views. You know, that's... You you can do that. Yeah, but we we're not we're not in that position. We we don't we don't get to. Do we that. have people saying funny things to other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's start with that. Having said all that, we do recommend though that you be specific. So um, we're just sort of saying, look, we don't need to know if it's a kitchen table. Uh, we don't need to know everything. If you go to a rubbish dump, then it's a rubbish dump. It's a municipal dump. I mean, they're all the same, aren't they? But that's not quite true. Um, and because there's something about being specific. Do you want to say a bit about that, Dave? Mentioning the dump there, I did I did read quite a lot of uh, sitcoms set in uh, recycling dumps, which is kind of exactly to be expected. The, the, the recycling dump of the 2020s is the video shop of the the 1980s you know it's the new th- it's the thing that wasn't there before so oh it's a sit and yeah. there are people who are brought together from all yeah. walks of life yeah. uh, there and they interact with the general public great that's fine um but all of the, the virtually all of them that i read that were sets in these places were you know they were just these people at this place. And as it happened, I went to my local dump on uh, Sunday. And I, I, with, with that in mind, I just thought, you know, there are, uh, there are so many things that you could do in those opening 10 pages with your dump. I thought, you know, I had this idea. It's, a, it's not a big place, uh, the, the, our local one. But, I, the, you know, there's this one porter cabin where... But what that's obviously half of it is toilet and the other half is some crappy little office with a kettle and a, a desk probably but what if comedy what if underneath that underground they've kind of built this amazing den out of all the crap that they've they've the, the, the best quality stuff it, it's 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 believable uh it's unlikely but You've got a sitcom set in a dump, and you've got an incredible magical world that's that's taking place underneath it. That that's that's an example of something being specific. Or uh, another thought was, as I was kind of throwing my stuff into one of these sort of giant vats, I thought, you know, what if um, what if someone had thrown a body in there? Suddenly, you know, you're throwing something, and, and hang on, that's that's not a microwave has got an arm yeah oh you know oh that video recorder is actually head shaped oh oh it's a dead body you know so that's the kind of thing that 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 lifts your script from being oh here's another script that's that's in a dump uh you know it's not enough to think well there's never been a sitcom set in a dump so and it's it's now so i'm going to write it 
you know you still need to have great characters and you still need to have interesting stories and you still need to create a world uh, there and, yeah. and the world isn't just a bunch of people working in a dump you know especially if and I think uh, for me I had quite a few charity shops as well um, but th there is a preponderance of sitcoms of situations where everybody who works there doesn't want to work there oh and it's someone's first day but we're not going to get onto that um, and we talked to David Tyler about this uh, as well. He's, you know, he's much more hot on, uh, so he's a producer, a positive, and he ran his own script competition uh, last year or the year before. And, uh, you know, he noticed it too. It's like, is your, sick, is your situation actually going to be funny? Um, and so you don't need uh, to set it in a, you know, in a clown shop uh, or a joke shop, um, but it does need to be promising and exciting in a place that we want to be in, uh, where you can have characters who have got, positive missions and they believe in what they're doing whereas the, the recycling dump is one of those places where no one really set out to work in a rubbish dump and so therefore it just feels like quite a downer to begin with which again goes back full circle to Ricky Gervais in the office where no one really wanted to work in that office but it wasn't but also it wasn't the worst job in the world it's just the the boss made it slightly harder because he was such an idiot um, who thought he was so great so there was that level of identification with with the job but actually lots of people do quite enjoy their jobs and actually uh, to hold a job that you personally don't find interesting in contempt and you can't understand why anyone would like that job and that anyone who does like that job is obviously a bit of an idiot because there's usually one idiot character who does enjoy the job um, I think I think, yeah, they're just tonally that they're not terribly promising. Whereas, you know, Brooklyn Nine-Nine and um, it's obviously full of people who believe in, you know, keeping the streets safe. And uh, even Parks and Rec, you got Leslie Nope. Um, but, you know, Tom Haverford's happy to be there because he's basically on the make. And you've also got, you know, April wants to do a good job. She just doesn't want to be nice to anybody. And you've got... Um, that character that they're all really weirdly unpleasant to, um, who I've forgotten his name, Jerry. Jerry, um, Jerry yes. Yeah, but yes. in general, working for the city hall is like a fairly prestigious thing. So, you know, 30 Rock or um, whatever it is. So I just, I felt quite sad by quite a lot of the scripts I was reading because it was fairly clear that nobody wanted to work there and the person writing the show also couldn't think of anything worse than working there. So what, what, why am I here? <laughs> what? So I think that's just a, a bit of a, an issue that's worth, you know, kicking the tires on your next idea that is this a place that not only you want to be, but your characters want to be and that we want to be. Um, that would be a worth a look. I think that's, uh, that's interesting. Uh, you mentioned Brooklyn Nine-Nine there. I think that, that, that passes that test. It's just, you know, who wants to be a police, a cop, you know, who, who, who wants to do that sort of job? Uh, who wants to do it in New York? You know, I mean, it's really uh, on the list of awful jobs. You know, you probably think this is probably one of the worst, one of the worst jobs and the stress and whatever. And actually, you know, it really is. We just, we just love going there. We, mm. it's like our, it's like our uh, surrogate family and yeah. they are, you know, you got, um, and and um, 
yeah, what's what's going to happen in the wacky Brooklyn Nine Nine household this week? You know, Dad Holt is going to be yeah. stern and dad like, mm. and Jeffers' mum is going to be fussing around everybody, and mm. you know, and, and those pesky little kids, yeah, Jake and uh, and uh, Boyle and Amy and uh, Diaz Santiago, and everything, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. going back even to to, to Mash. You know, which is which is, can can you create a more horrible world or Bluestone Four Two even? It's like, yeah, we want to, we 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 like hanging out with those people. Oh, yeah. by the way, one of them could just die any yeah. second now. So and and that's that, what makes that. it interesting for the characters as yeah. well. That's why, I mean, that's why we wrote Bluestone. It's why soldiers like being soldiers. It's like it's an adventure, and they have to rely on each other. And this is better than anything else they'd be doing otherwise. And they're getting paid for it. And the food's included. Oh, sure, you'll get shot at sometimes. But they're not going to hit you. I mean, they're probably not going to hit you. Um, stop complaining about being shot at. What the hell's wrong with you? You know? Um, and so suddenly you're kind of welcomed into this weird family that have just made it work. As opposed to, well, this is rubbish. I'm not being paid enough to be shot at by the Taliban. Um, there could be a bomb anywhere. This is awful. So, oh, okay. Um, I don't go and really work mean. in a dump then well exactly yeah yeah and on that note I think we should probably uh, draw this episode to a conclusion uh, there'll be more news uh, about the uh, this competition when we have it keep an eye on us um, sitcom geeks we're on um, uh, Twitter sitcom geeks I'm sitcom geek and Dave is uh, Dave Cohen comedy is that right Dave that's correct yes I'm not there that much now but for on the sitcom geeks uh, page yeah. I will be uh, doing more stuff oh have you been dialing yeah. down your social mediaing Dave I did, this is new to me no yeah it's, it's fantastic my, my mental health has been uh, has improved many fold as a result of uh, spending less time on Twitter um, wow it's amazing that's good. Really. I'm glad um, to hear you say but that. yeah yeah thanks again we do we do appreciate all the work that you put in and uh, you know hope hopefully the feedback mm. we're giving you is is you know is, is taken in the spirit in which which uh it is given which yeah. is you know we we just want you to be better writers yeah yeah we want to and we, we love comedy. comedy we want better scripts and that's the i mean we've not done our r.i.p barry crier um who we had the honor of going around to interview in his own house in a previous episode who died sadly very recently but the thing about barry crier is he just loved jokes there was that joy that he just had of just like admiring and anyone who could come up with a decent joke that made him laugh it was all right by him so that's the thing isn't it we're sitcom geeks because we just flipping love sitcoms um and we like laughing so uh, more of that that's what we're all about yeah great thanks again cheers then bye-bye cheers bye-bye don't forget to google sitcom geeks patreon and join us